All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Good to see um, some new faces, old faces, Sydney faces. Sorry, you guys aren't too welcome. All right. Okay. Um, so today, um, the the sort of discussion or the topic that we're talking about is to do with looking at a new year, um, a beginning of something new. Uh, looking at something old as well that's that's sort of past as well so it's a contrast between the two and and where we go from here i feel like i'm doing a dj gig on on this thing um all right uh before we start let's actually pray father we just um want to thank you for this time that we're about to have lord we just pray that uh, that you speak lord that every word is said that will touch hearts lord and you know every single person in this room and what they're going through so i just pray um, that you'd be in the midst, Lord, and, and God, every every word, Lord. Your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Cool. So I'm going to ask a few questions, and if if you're one of these people, put your hand up. Um, at the beginning of this year, put your hand up if at the start you said you're going to start going to the gym. No one? Mitch, my guy. Cool. Put your hand up if you said you're going to attend more lectures at uni. Okay, respect. Put your hand up if you said you're going to start waking up a bit earlier to be more productive during your day. Anyone? Steve, good. Put, <laughs> put your hand up if you said you're going to spend less money this year. Okay, respect. All right. So I hope you kind of resonate with some of those questions. Maybe not during this year of your life, but maybe at a different uh, stage in your life as well. But the, but the thing is, I feel like a lot of these questions, when, when they tend to come up, not specifically these ones, but sort of New Year type of questions of, what was your last year like? Did you achieve the goals that you set out? Um, what were the goals that you set out? And I feel like we get to, to the end of the year and we don't necessarily reach those goals a lot of the time. And it becomes very inconsistent in the goals that we do set at the beginning uh, of the year. And it, sorry, it becomes a consistent thing year after year, that it just becomes uh, a cycle. But what if this year, the, the coming 2020, is a year that we set targets for ourselves and actually go on to, to achieve those things that we want in our lives? Because I feel like our generation sometimes will will look to want so, so much and look to, to set goals for themselves and set the bar really high. And when it comes to achieving things, we don't, we necessarily fall off slightly um, off, off the mark, or off the bench that we that we set at the beginning. And from a Christian point of view, um, personally, I do this uh, at, at the end of every year or the start of a new year where I sit down with God and I just say, like, God, where do you want to take me this new year? How can I improve in my relationship with you? What can I achieve? And so on. It's, it's kind of a conversation that I have with, with God. And I put the structure of the, the new year forward. Um so yeah, I make plans for, for the new season. But did you know that that conversation, if you do that, did you know that that conversation or that prayer that you do at the start or the, at the end of the year is actually a vow that you make with God? So um, you create this connection between you and God by doing this promise or, or vow. And that's exactly what we're going to be speaking on today. Um, and the, the topic that I wanted to name is renewing your vows or renewing our vows. But before we, we say that, what are vows to start off with? Um, so a vow is a promise, 
pledge, a commitment, like a married couple on, on their wedding day, they stand in front of each other and say, you know, like, I don't know, I, David, take Fadi to be whatever, like, you know, just an example. I love Fadi. Um, those are vows. That's what, that's, what a, that's what a vow is. Um, and the question, one of the questions that we want to ask is, what breaks our vow with God? What can cause this vow to be broken? Um, and everyone here has a contract um, with God. And God cannot break this contract, and God does not break this contract between us and Him. But it's us who would go on and break this contract, if we do break this contract that we make with Him. But the link that I wanted to, to speak about today is materialism. And how materialism can break the vows that we create with Christ. Whether it's at the beginning of the year or whenever we do um, tend to make these, these goals that we set for ourselves. Um, so what is materialism? Uh, it's someone who their whole life is focused about money, goals, business, success, achieving, taking things to a new stage, new goal, always striving forward. And it's someone who you can say just lives to save to save money, to make money, and has a strong inward focus on themselves. They really love what they're doing. It's all about me, me, me. To get a you know bigger, bigger, better car, bigger house, um, whatever it is that you know, upgrade to the house. Um, and sometimes when we get immersed into these things, what happens is, as I said, we break the vow that we have with Christ. You see, because if you have a money problem, it tends to mean that you have a heart problem as well, where you're not right in your relationship with Christ. There is a barrier, there's a wall, there's, there's, there's a blockage that's kind of stopping you from reaching those heights or those targets that you kind of set within, within your relationship with God. And giving and generosity requires a healthy heart, which is the opposite of what we just said. Um, and obviously the famous verse, for God so loved the world that he gave. That he gave. So out of him giving, there was love. And if we as a community, if we as a group don't have love, we cannot give. And giving doesn't just mean money. Giving can mean time. It can mean a whole bunch of different things. But if your relationship with the man upstairs is not in the right place, then a lot of the rest is going to follow as well. So... The story that we're going to read from the Bible today is someone who struggled with their finances. And this is Jacob in the Bible. I'm just going to go through a quick summary of the story, or at least the part that we're going to be speaking on today. And then we're going to read a few verses throughout as well. So the story started off with Jacob and Esau, their brothers, two parents, Isaac and Rebekah, the twins, they're twins. They wrestled in the womb. Rebekah, I'm just going through it really, really fast, yeah? Rebecca asked God why they're fighting. God said, there's two nations in your womb. Esau came out first with Jacob grabbing onto his brother's heel. Esau was a hunter. Jacob was a man who stayed at home among tents. Esau sold his birthright for some lentils, hungry man. Um, and as they got older, Isaac, their father, had bad eyesight. And Jacob, along with Rebecca, his mother, deceived him, who got a kiss from his father to give away the birthright. Um, later on, Jacob leaves for Haran, which is a different city, to get married. He has a dream on the way, makes a vow with God, goes to meet Laban, which we'll touch on in a bit. Um, And he wants to marry his youngest daughter, Rachel. Works for Laban for seven years in order to get Rachel. After the seven years, he gets deceived by Laban. um, And he was given Leah, which is 
Rachel's older sister. Um, and then he gets Rachel as well. And then LeBan asks Jacob to work for another seven years. So that's just a very quick summary of kind of the, the part of the story that we're going to be touching on today. Um, and we're going to read chapters um, th- through there as well. So to begin with, Esau came out first, as I said, and Jacob second, grabbing onto his brother's heel. And Jacob being the second child, and because he was the second child, he would have no birthright, which means he pretty much gets nothing. So from that day that he was born second, he became a materialistic person, and we're going to see what that looked like in his life as well. Um, So what Jacob began to do in his life is he would change the way he thought in order to achieve his own success by his own hands and his own standards, not by God's standards. And regardless who came across him and stepped in his, in his way, in his process of thinking, he would step over anyone and, and crush anyone in his way in order to achieve what he really wanted. Um, and this included his brother, included his father, and it included his um, uncle as well. And we get to see what happens in this story, but it's because a person gets cut off from a community. Um, And whether that community is university, whether that community is church, work, wherever it may be, it's a a direct consequence of someone being rejected, which can happen in this environment um, as well. But what happens when, when a person gets rejected from a community is they become disruptive to a lot of other people around them. Because their life goal is now success at all costs, regardless of who comes um, my way. And even if I have to step across the closest people in my life, it doesn't matter. Because you know what? I'm, I'm here to achieve and I'm here to work really hard at what I want um, to, to do. But the most important thing for that person is all about themselves. It's me, me, me. I'll deceive my brother for some lentil stew. I'll deceive my father by the fur of an animal. Um, and Jacob lived to please himself and he lived his whole life deceiving to have self gain. So one day as, um, Jacob was sleeping, this is later on in the part we touched on in the story, he had a dream and this is where we're going to pick up on. If you have your Bibles, feel free to open them up. So Genesis 28 verse 10 to 15. So from verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and laid down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway stairway resting on the earth, which its top reaching to the heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the stood the Lord and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out from the west to the east, to the north and to the south. All the people in the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. So we just read this part of the story and we're going to... Read from 20 till 22 now, where Jacob makes three promises to God. Jacob is about to tell God, if you give me three things, I will also give you three things in return. Um, So going forward from verse 20 till 22. Then Jacob made a vow. 
saying, if, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all of that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So keep in mind what we just read here is Jacob is the one that's making this vow with God. And he asks for three things. Can anyone say what those three things were? Number one, he asks for safety and protection. Number two, food. And number three, clothing. And upon reading this, it's a ve- they're very similar request, like very simple requests. Sorry, they they're easy things. It's not necessarily like he's asking for for wealth and greatness and wisdom and all this. He's just asking for three necessities in life. And maybe there was a point in your life where you prayed a similar prayer as as Jacob did, a prayer of protection, food, shelter, the necessities, um, and. You told God, if you do these things for me, I will also do three, well, not necessarily three, but I'll do something for you as well. And you create this vow, as verse um, 20 till 21 said. And I must say, Jacob is a smart businessman here, you know, telling God, like, you know, if you give me this, I'll give you something in return. And he sounds like he should be working in a bank. Um, so he says, if you give me, you know, money, I'll give you a tenth of everything that, that you give me. Um, so essentially, if you don't give me much God, you know, like, sorry, mate, but you're not really getting much back. So, you know, you should probably give me a lot of money here um, and, I'll, and I'll give you a tenth of everything that I have. And at that point, that, that vow was created between God and Jacob. And did God do the right by the vows that he created? Yes, God did his side of things. But Jacob didn't necessarily do the same. Um, God gave him all he asked for. But here is where it gets really interesting in the story. Because Jacob prayed twice. As we know, Jacob prayed only twice. Once in Genesis 28 and once in Genesis 32. And the difference in duration between chapter 28 and chapter 32 is actually 20 years. So... He only prayed twice, and in that span, it was 20 years where he didn't pray after making that vow with God. He spent 20 years focusing on work, trying to get as much money as he can with Laban, and just working hard that he essentially neglected God, and he forgot all about him for a span of 20 years. You know, we can say, well, where is the promise you gave to God, Jacob? And I guess his reply would be, oh, I'm too busy, or I don't have enough time Similar excuses to what sometimes that we can give as well. Where we don't honour him. Just like Jacob didn't honour him, we don't honour God as well. In whatever it may be. Maybe maybe you're even here by force today. Maybe you didn't feel like you wanted to come. And someone's like, oh, like maybe you should come. Or maybe you have no time for God. Maybe you have no time for family. Maybe you have no time for friends. Your life is just a really busy. You've been transformed into this materialistic person as we're reading here. Maybe you're picking up one, two, three jobs in order to achieve, in order to succeed, in order to reach new heights, new goals. Things that you're constantly setting to yourself in order to, to reach your own success that you have in your mind. But you haven't essentially had a conversation with God about whether those things he wants for you as well. Um, 
Jacob succeeded. You know, and like an earthly perspective, Jacob, Jacob succeeded. He got bigger and bigger. He achieved every single day. Um, he, and in the process of that, he would lie to people. People would lie back to him. And what does the Bible tell us? It tells us that you reap what you sow. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And clearly his treasure, the thing that he cared most deeply about was not God. You know, he created this connection, this promise with him and he kind of just threw him to a corner. He's like, all right, I'm going to do my own thing, try to focus on my own work. And he neglects God. Um, I'm going to pick the story up from Genesis 31, um, 40 to 41. This is when he's working for, for Laban, by the way. And um, the, the troubles happen together and he's going to leave later on. But he says, this was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime and the cold at night, and sleep fled from my eyes. It was like this for 20 years I was in your household. I worked for you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock, and you changed my wages 10 times. Jacob was in a systematic life of work, of marriage, of money, and that sometimes can be our lives as well. But the thing is, don't let... The world steal you. Don't let the world take you away from your true purpose and your true connection to what your relationship between you and God is supposed to be. Be aware and be very wary so you don't get transformed into this person that we're talking about. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's it's wrong to, to have goals and to have ideas and want to succeed and want to have money, but there needs to be a limit. There needs to be a line that is drawn and... To have clear things in front of you where if it gets too much, you have the right people in your life to tell you you're doing the wrong thing. And to um, be in, a, in, a, in a, the right place between you and God for him to be able to direct you as well. Because you can close your heart off from hearing God's voice. And that's when it gets really dangerous. You know, like Just like Jacob, you can make a vow. You can one year sit in front of God and say, God, like... This is the connection that we have. This is what we're trying to achieve and not speak to him for the next 20 years of your life. So it's, it's, a difficult, it's a difficult place, but it's about community. It's about being in this place. It's a, it's a blessing. Don't shy away from it. Don't run away from it, but embrace it and embrace the people within this place to help you grow um, at the same time as well. Uh, where are we? Um, so sometimes when we get all this money and get all this success, as I said, we find us taking steps away from, from our closeness with God. You see, you look at your house and you feel like your house has changed, your relationship with your husband, your wife, your brother, your sister, your, your parents has changed. Maybe something's coming from the outside and it's just ruined everything that's happening within your home. Um, and where is this coming from? It's coming from taking God out of the equation. It's coming from your own strength, trying to do things on your own. And beware of that self-centered life um, because it's very harmful. And when when everything is revolving around yourself, that's when the spiral kind of begins. And it's not about physically being in the right places because I can come to church, I can sit, you know, in, in the pews and listen to a good message and being like, that's great. But if we're not actually taking action on on these things and there's really no point um, yeah. because I could, sometimes this, this even happens to me as well like 
sometimes I would come to church and I, and I hear a message and I come out and I'm like, what the heck did like I hear? I don't, I don't know what I said because my mind is so focused on other things that are happening. You know, how can I, um, in my work, improve A, B, C, and D, or in my relationships, do A, B, C, and D, and my focus isn't in that exact moment, and it's just everywhere else. So it's not physically about being in the in the right places. Um, and sometimes we get to think of of these difficulties in our lives as Satan things. You know, difficulties are not necessarily Satan things all the time. Sometimes it's God warning you and and putting th- these things in your life and telling you, hey, you're you're moving away from the promise that you made with me. You're moving away from your true purpose, and He'll do that in order to bring you back to Him to remind you where you're you're supposed to be with Him. So maybe tonight for you, it's about renewing those vows. Maybe it's about looking at your relationship with a with a different eye, looking at your community with a different eye, um, thinking of. God and the people sitting next to you um, from, from a different perspective through, through the loving eye of Jesus. Um, because if your life with Christ is going well, then everything else is also going to follow, just like it works vice versa as well. Um, as compared to the story of Jacob, he went through troubles at home with, with Rachel, Laban eventually turning on him. And God is willing for you to lose your job, to lose your education, to lose your wealth, to lose everything, all to return to Him. Because the eternal purpose of being on earth is not about materialistic success and materialistic happiness um, that we like to say here on earth. It's about the eternal purpose. Why do I? Why am I here? You know, is it about to, to, to have a house in a really nice area for people to look at me in, in, a, in a nice car and say, well, like you're doing really well, but they don't know what's happening. Maybe, maybe that person who looks really good from the outside is really struggling from the inside, things going on internally within that family. We, we don't know these things, but don't chase things that are meaningless. Don't chase things that are going to fade away and rot. Again, it's not, there's, there's nothing wrong with wanting those things and, and even getting them, but... It's about your conscious with God. It's about your position. It's about where you are in so many different areas. And I can't decide that for you. There's, I can't say there's a right and wrong. It's, it's just about your relationship and how uh, you see these things. In, um, in Genesis 31, 29, um, it says later on in the story as well, I have the power. This is Laban when he chased Jacob and he actually got him. He says, I have the power to harm you. But last night, the God of your father spoke to me. He said, be careful. Do not say anything to Jacob, whether good or bad. And this is a great reminder because we literally have God on our side. We have God through your sleep, through your daytime. He's always there, even when you don't see him. Even though sometimes we are ruining our own lives and, our, and we're taking things into our own hands, but God is always in every circumstance and every decision we make, even when he's not um, the one making it for us. He's always looking after us. Um, and in order to renew those vows, Jacob got a revelation of how he is with God currently and he was squeezed by his troubles. And that squeezing came from God. It didn't necessarily come from Satan. And 
the reminder for tonight is if you feel squeezed by your circumstances and squeezed by your situations in life, you feel like you can't really see the other side, you can't see the end of things, take heart because that's God trying to remind you tonight, hey, I'm here, come back, I need you. This is God's reminder to you. You know, sometimes when we, when we, when we think of God, we think, um, it says his ways are not your ways. And sometimes we expect God to come in the most loving way and most gentle way. And, but he will, he will come to you in the way that gets results. But it's about you taking action with the, with the signs and the things that he comes to you. You, you grab on. His hands always stretch, but it's up to you to, to grab hold and take action with your life. In Psalms 107.25, uh, it says, for he, com- for he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down and again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They, they reel to and from and stagger like drunken men. And they are at wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their troubles and he brings them out of distress. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. And I think it's a good summary to kind of what we just read. You know, God can lift up. God can bring down. God can make our souls melt, um, sway to and from, and then we ask for help. It's, it's a cycle, but it doesn't matter where you fit within that cycle tonight. You could be in the beginning, the middle, the end of that cycle. But God is revealing to us that he is there. And when you're caught in, in, in a wind, you're kind of just revolving around in one area and you're directed by that wind. You're not directed by, um, by God. You're just moving where it kind of wants to take you. And it's like God kind of reaching out his hand and all you have to do is grab on and he will pull you out and direct you um, through that as well. I just want to remind that, you know, a life that is healthy at home, a life that is um, at a good place is so much more fulfilling than a life of earthly success and wealth and all these sorts of things. Um, I think King Solomon had everything he could dream of. He had literally everything. Every materialistic option was in front of him. And at the end of his life, he said, everything is meaningless um, because none of it mattered. And don't wait till the end of your life to realize that your eternal purpose is the main thing in life. Don't, don't look at your life now as, as young people, as a young generation to say, you know, like, I need to take my, my job to the next level. I'm willing to step on everyone that comes to my way to, to achieve this success. No, let God guide your steps and he will direct you to the right path at the right time in his time, not our time. Because sometimes we have visions for ourselves and, you know, by the age of, I don't know, 30, I want to be this, this and this. But did you speak to God or are you just setting goals for yourself without taking his consideration into things? Um, let, let there be a conversation. Let there be a relationship just like everything else um, in, in your life. And as we begin this new year in a, in a couple of days, I just want to everyone to kind of take a moment with with themselves with their partners and just think about what they want in this in this new year coming up what do you want to achieve as um individuals what do you want to achieve as a couple where do you want your 
kind of relationship to be in? What are realistic goals that you're going to set out in order to achieve them as well? Because it's it's all great and well to have sort of plans that you want to do, but if you're not taking real steps in order to achieve them, then don't even worry about the goal that you set from the beginning. So um, just take a moment, like feel free to close your eyes um, and just get into a zone with God right now where you're... You just humble yourself before him and, and think about where you've stumbled this year. Think about how you can get out of that um, and look to a new year. Where do you see yourself at the end of 2020? And how can you take those um, direct steps to reach that? Father, we just want to thank you right now, Lord, as we come before you. And we just pray, Lord, that we can um, get rid of every every thought of materialistic um, option within our lives, Lord. But just help us to grab a hold of our relationship with you and understand, Lord, the, the eternal purpose of our lives, Lord. Not to focus on what's happening under our feet now, Lord, but to to look at life with the lens of a eternal perspective lord your lens lord and we just pray for every person in this room lord as individuals and couples lord that you grab hold of every person lord and if um if someone's dealing with with a storm in their life lord that they can see your hand in the middle of that storm lord and they can grab a hold of you as well Uh, we just pray lord that you guide us into a new year we pray for um a real closeness and a real consistency in this new year lord to to, to set goals and to reach them, to, to want to take our lives to new heights, Lord, to not look at our lives as um, perfection, but to see it as always changing and always changing for the better, Lord. And how can we do that, Lord? We thank you for the time that we just had, Lord, and we just pray um, for a continuation of a blessing tonight, Lord. We thank you for everything you've done for us, and we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.